0: Well, good morning. Hopefully, everyone can hear me, okay? Good morning. Good morning, well, folks. It looks like we're in chapter twenty-four of our, of our study, uh, and it uh, the author uh, titles this "Our Response to the Faithfulness of God." Now, last week we we didn't meet because we had our special Sunday with the with the missions. And the missionary is here. And uh, uh, so this is, uh, this is a, the follow-up to uh, what I think Brother Wade taught us uh, two weeks ago with the, uh, the faithfulness of God and establishing that God was faithful. And this, of course, is our response to the faithfulness of God. And uh, response is a shortened verb or a shortened word of responsibility. Okay. A lot of people think response is just what I do. Is a reaction to something, but response is certainly a, a part of a responsibility, and we have a responsibility to live out that faithfulness to God. And uh, that's what the uh, the author is looking at here. Uh, in, in, the, in, the first, in in the first In the first section, he says uh, a very profound statement. I think he says there has never been one instance in all of history where God was not absolutely faithful to every word that he had spoken. That's, that's, uh, that, that's, a, uh, that's a very heavy and weighted statement, I thought. And uh, uh, he says, uh, so the question comes up, how should we live in light of the absolute fidelity of God? And our first uh, scripture there is, is uh, under the category of we should trust in God. Let's look at Psalms thirty-one, fourteen. It's not a long verse, is it? But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. As, uh, according to the author, that's probably one of the briefest, most powerful statements and declarations of faith in all of Scripture. But that little short verse holds two very significant truths for us. Okay? Uh, the first one is basically uh, when times are tough and our faith is tested, we need to confess our faith in God. And that's that's interesting. A lot of times we think, well, we ought to have faith. And once we turn to God in faith, then we can confess. But the reality is the confession should come first. And the more we confess God, the more our faith builds in God. Okay. And uh, that's, that's, it's an important step. And the second truth is, <laughs> we think it's probably very foundational, but uh, our relationship with God better be personal. Okay, If it's not personal, really, of what value is it to us? And that's why he says, uh, he uses that possessive, possessive pronoun there. He says, he must be my God. He can't just be the God or a God. He must be my God for us to be able to build in faith. And the next scripture there he talks about is Isaiah 26, 3, and 4. It contains both an admonition to trust in God and a promise to those who obey. How should both impact our lives? Let's look at that one. The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. What's the admonition here? To me, it was basically always trust in Him. In all things trust in Him. Not just in some things. Well, you think, well, yeah, that's, that's just common sense. But how easy do we get sidetracked? And maybe not necessarily want to trust in God for a particular situation in our life when we think we can handle it on our own. Hmm? We think we could probably handle that on our own. But this admonition is not just in some things, but in all things to trust God. Uh, The note here he put down, he says, Our trust in God is to be founded upon the reality of, That he has revealed and proven himself to be an everlasting rock. And the promise there in verse 3. God will keep the man in perfect peace. Wow. How many of you have had perfect peace for the majority of your time? Now, perfect peace means basically an inward peace that no matter what the circumstances are around us, we have perfect peace. Now, why does God keep the man in perfect peace? I think it's because the man trusts in him. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the faith of God to be true to his word that allows us to have faith in God. It's the faith of God to be true to His Word that allows us to have faith in Him. The author says, Trust in God results in one of the rarest, most sought-after commodities among all of humankind, and that's peace. It's truly a gift from God granted to those who have set their minds to trust Him. Now let's look at Psalms fifty-six, thirty-four. It's found another admonition. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Now, the, uh, the psalmist here is talking about the threats, I think, that, uh, that is coming upon him physically. Okay? And, and, and from other people, Uh, that that want to do him harm. But it also sets our mind to trust him. So how does our knowledge of God's faithfulness sustain us even in the darkest circumstances? Listen, folks, if we don't know about God's faithfulness, we can't depend on it. We can't trust in it. Uh, So how does our knowledge of God's faithfulness help us to persevere in the midst of trials? Uh, one One of the most significant uh, sermon series that uh, uh, that I uh, heard oh probably some 35, 40 years ago was uh, a three-part, maybe a four-part series, I can't remember now, by, by uh, uh, Dr. Sam Cathy, where he, he, he put it, it was trials, terror, or triumph. And it was based out of the book of James. And if we allow the trials in our life to terrorize us, we're not going to be able to find any triumphant victories. Okay, and it was simple as that. It was it was an awesome sermon series. Uh, haven't heard it, but it brought to mind this week as I was as I was looking at, at this. Uh, how many of you have gone through some hard times, some dark times, some really dark times? Did we let those overwhelm us? I can. I, I hesitated to bring this up this week, but the more I thought about it, the more I think I probably should. And I'll do it very quick, fairly quickly. Uh, some 18 years ago, the third week of June, uh, we were living over at El Paso. And uh, we got getting ready to come to church that Sunday morning here. And we got a call. I got a call from my my 20-year-old niece in Colorado. And she was in tears. And she told me that, she said, my daddy's dead. And my mom's hanging on to life, Uncle Teddy. And uh, there was an auto accident. And the vehicle had hit him head on. And my brother was, my twin brother was killed instantly. And uh, my sister-in-law was She was in advanced MS at that time, but she had survived the crash, Uh, had to be extracted with the jaws of life and everything, but she was hanging on to life. And all I could think about was those kids. They had a a 23 year old son, my niece was 20, and the other niece was uh, just almost 18, 17 years old. Yeah, that hit hard. That hit really hard. It was dark. But for some reason, there was a peace within me concerning my brother. Okay? But I was really, really shaken to the core for those kids. And I said, we're going to be there as quick as we can get there. I said, God's in control of this. And I said, we'll be there as quick as we can get there. You go through hard times. Everybody does. Everybody goes through those those fearful times. But uh, in times of fear, we are to even more closely trust in God's Word, remembering that God is faithful to see us through those dark times. Now, our trust is dependent on God's Word, but we have to have that knowledge of God's Word to be able to depend on it, okay? Let's look at Psalms 62, 5 through 8. My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. On God my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Hmm. Only in God should we trust. You know, we've had for years on our coins, on our currency, in God we trust. It would have been nice if it had said only in God we trust. Right, right. Huh? Yeah. Would that that, that, that would be better, wouldn't it? That would be more appropriate, okay? Uh, I got thinking about this. I said, okay, if, if God is not who everybody trusts, what do people put their trust in? Anybody got any ideas? Other than God, what do people put their trust in? Themselves. Themselves. The government. Human strength. 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 That, That ties right in with themselves. There's a lot of people that put all their trust in other people. What does the Bible tell us about other people? They're going to disappoint us sometime or another. Okay? They're going to disappoint us sometime or another. Anything else that people put their trust in? Money. Money. I would think that those would be the top four or five. That's good. Everybody picked up on those. But I, I put those down. So we should depend on God in every situation of life we find ourselves. You think, well, what about the little trivial stuff? Well, when my car breaks down or my truck breaks down, All right, God, your truck's broke down. What are we going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? That's the kind of attitude we should have. Not that we're not supposed to take the initiative to take care of ourselves. Okay? Uh, But uh, we should depend on God in every situation of life that we find ourselves. All right, let's look. at And the psalmist here declares that uh, he's fully and absolutely dependent on God. God is his hope, his rock, his salvation, his stronghold. Uh, and, and the hope of salvation and glory rests upon the faithfulness and power of God. Again, it's not resting upon our faithfulness. okay? Because our, faithful, our faith can crumble uh, under pressure fairly easily sometimes. But the admonition is simple. What should we do about what God is for us? We should trust him at all times as simple as that. Six words. Uh, His next section here says we should trust in God's wisdom and direction. Well, we trust him pretty much to take care of our problems and our issues. But do we trust him to lead and direct us in the the way our life should go? That's another aspect of it. That's a complete another aspect of it. Uh, He says... uh, uh, to trust God is to turn over the direction of our lives to Him and to be guided by His Word. Let's look at Psalms thirty-seven five. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do it. I substituted another word for commit. I heard a sermon one time by Adrian Rogers says, does God really need a bunch of committed Christians? And the reason he said that was he was doing uh, one of the first, uh, one, of the, one of the first, uh, oh, I guess, uh, trips into, into East Germany when the, when the wall fell, when the Berlin Wall fell. And he was one, doing one of, the, one of the first trips over there with, with a series of, uh, of, of sermons and, and visitations. And he was wanting to do a, a uh, sermon series on how to be a committed Christian. And the interpreter, okay, because a lot of them didn't speak English. A lot of them in his audience said, we don't have a translation word for committed. I said, you don't. He says, no, we really have nothing that directly relates to you know to to the exact meaning of that commitment thing you're talking about and he says what do you have that's closest he said surrender he said surrender and dr rogers said he liked that word a lot better and he said the reason why is when you if when you commit to something who's in charge of that when you make a commitment who's in charge we are, right? We're in charge of that. Folks, we might be in trouble right there, huh? <laughs> we might be in a little bit of trouble right there, but if you surrender, who's in charge? Whoever you surrender to. If you surrender to God, he's in charge of your life, not you. So that's, uh, that, that's, that's kind of what I thought about there as we go. But the, the commit uh, is, is fine in this situation. I just like surrender better. I think it goes further. I really do. Uh, The word commit, he says, comes from the Hebrew word gala, which literally means to roll over, to roll the entirety of our life upon the Lord. And, of course, the phrase your way refers to the direction of our lives. Let's look at Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. All right, the question came up in my mind when I read this. How does one know if God is trustworthy? How do you know that? Is it just, does it just involve a blind leap of faith? How do we know that God is trustworthy? Pardon? That's right. His Word tells us. As we go back to the first sentence in our study here, there has never been one instance... In all the history where God was not absolutely faithful to every word that he's spoken. That's how we know. And I would, I would have you, this text here starts in verse 5. But uh, if you want to make a note, look at those first four verses. Okay? Look at those four verses. It, it brings this completely in clear context. And uh, it says, uh, is, uh, does faith involve just a blind leap? Or is faith based on the understanding of sound teaching? Yeah, and that, those first four verses will we'll, we'll clarify that up uh, uh, very easily for you. And the second point here, he says, The scriptures frequently contrast the wisdom of trusting in God with the foolishness of trusting in self. Uh, Jeremiah seventeen five through 8. He says, read it till you. you're very familiar with it. Thus saith the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord, for he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony waste in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. So he says, he says, uh, describe in your own words, the man who trusts in himself. What's the first thing he says there? He's cursed. He's cursed. Uh, and, and, and he will live with a heat that's desolate of the Lord. He'll be blinded even to the good things that come his way. He, he won't even be able to recognize good when it does happen in his life because he trusted in himself. His existence is in a dry, parched life, a salt land. How many of you have ever been out west? And been across the Great Salt Desert, the Great Salt Lake Desert, out in, in, in western Utah. Well, I can tell you, there's not much groves out there. There's not much groves out there. We lived in the shadow of that uh, LDS temple for a few years when we were in, uh, when we lived in that area. And when you go out west of West Jordan and, and, and the Great Salt Lake, you're going to drive for a long time without seeing a blade of grass. There's just nothing that can, that can grow there simply because it's dry and it's parched. Just like what you see uh, uh, is described in that, uh, in, in, in that way of life. But the man who trusts in God, conversely, in 7 and 8, it says he's blessed. That's the opposite of being cursed. He's blessed. His hope is in God. He's like a tree planted by the water with good roots that can help withstand even the drought time. Notice, God's word doesn't say that because he's trusting in God that those dry times and those drought times don't come. Okay? They still do. But he has the wherewithal and the foundation uh, to get through those times. And also... It says he's always producing fruit. The number one reason we can produce fruit is so we can bless other people. That's the reason God blesses us, is so we can bless other people. And uh that 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 should be that should be a, a key point in our life. Now the last page of our study here says we should proclaim God's faithfulness to all. All right, now it's not enough, the author says that we should trust in the Lord, which we should. It's not enough that and, and we should order our lives according to his word, which we should. We must also share the faithfulness with others. And what does the following scriptures teach us about this truth? Let's look at Psalms 40, verse 10. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I've not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. What does this verse basically tell us in simplified Arkansas speak? We should not keep God's faithfulness a secret. We should not keep God's faithfulness a secret. What good does it do anyone but us if we do that? We should let others know how faithful God is in your life. I mean, even if there's not any other testimony you can give other than the fact that, hey, God's faithful in my life. I believe he can be faithful in yours. And uh, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a great introduction to telling people about God. And let's look at Psalms 89.1. This is where I stand out. Or no, I should just be quiet. I will sing of the loving kindness of the Lord forever. To all generations, I will make known your faithfulness with my mouth. And I'm going to tell you, folks, anybody sitting close to me when we're singing hymns, they're not going to be very happy. Okay? Because <laughs> I can't sing. I can talk, but I can't sing. Now, Mel Tillis couldn't talk, but he could sing. Remember? Okay. It says, sing about how great God's faithfulness is. And you, you know what that? I, I think that does? That... That really shows other people, and it 's even good medicine to ourselves uh, in in appreciating god 's faithfulness in appreciating his faithfulness. I mean, just the very hymns we sing, look how many of them in that if, if you 'll look up in the context, won't you miss Gloria about the uh, in, in the alphabetical order of different hymns in the back and in, uh, under under faith, look at all those hymns. That deal with faith in God and how faithful God is for us—it's uh, it's remarkable, and it should really bring us a lot of joy to be able to do that. Uh, back to uh, uh, Doctor Doctor Kathy, he told he told us one time up in Montana when he was up there at our little church, he said uh, he said and he, he when he especially when he was a younger guy, he fancied himself as a great tenor. Okay. Now, Brother Sam was not a great tenor, but he fancied himself to, be a, to have a great tenor voice. And uh, he said that, uh, that when, when he got to heaven, one of the things he wanted to do was put together a heavenly choir. And he wanted to lead it. Okay? He said he wanted to have 10,000 sopranos. And he wanted to have 10,000 altos and 10,000 bass singers. And he wanted to lead that great heavenly choir. And somebody asked him, well, what about the tenors? He said, oh, no, I'm going to sing tenor. Okay. You know? And, but he took so much joy in that. He took so much joy in being able to sing praises to God. And that's kind of what that re- reminded me of this week. Now, down here at the end, it said it's not enough to merely affirm the truth that we should make known God's faithfulness to others we must actually put that back in practice. We must ask ourselves whether we have proclaimed God's faithfulness to those around us, we have, or have we kept it concealed in our hearts. And this is the assignment coming out, okay? Because everybody's answer to this is going to be a little bit different. Knowing what you know now, after today's lesson, based on the above text, explain how we might better witness, we might be better witnesses, to the faithfulness of God, that, that's, that's all personal. And that's, that's, uh, that's what I would assign for, for this week coming out. That's one of the things I, I, I like about this study. It's very personal. It's very personal. It's, it's not just, uh, uh, of course, the instructions are in generalities, but the applications should be personal, very personal. All right, let's go ahead and we'll put our prayer list together. We're probably getting out a little early, aren't we? Yes, sir. Philippians four. Our minds are limited mm-hmm. in what we can understand the fullness, the holiness, the realness of our father. Sixth verses, be careful for nothing, mm-hmm. but in everything my prayer and supplication thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which pass all understanding We we'll must know that our people are not sometimes capable of receiving all that there is of God that's right amen That's right. That's right. And basically it basically boils down to this. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And trust God for the for the answers. That's it. Those three steps right there. All right. Let's put our prayer list. Thank you for that, brother. Thank you. Got anything? Anyone else? Anything else? Let's keep praying for Brother Monroe and Miss Gloria. Good to see you, my man. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? unspoken That's right or seniors Anyone else Well, let's go ahead and we'll close in prayer. Just uh, just keep, keep remembering these individually. Father in heaven, we approach your throne of grace, Lord, with the confidence in the fact that you are not only the sovereign God of the universe, but you are the sovereign God of our hearts. And we, we thank you for that personal relationship that we can have with you because of what Jesus did for us. Father, it's with our, as much humility as, as we can imagine, we ask you to, to look at our, our prayer request list that we have. Uh, people that are in pain and suffering, ones that have lost family members, our unspoken requests, Father, that, that are on our hearts. You know what they are. Lord, we lift them up to you. We present them to you, and we ask you to bless in those lives. And Father, for, the, for, the, for the, the seniors that are within this congregation of this church, Father God, we ask for your protection, first of all, from them, for them. We ask for your blessings for them. Father, we ask that they, in all paths of their life, that they look to you for direction, that they depend on you, and they trust in you. Father, so often, we as adults can be distracted by the world, and especially the younger people can be distracted by the world because maybe they don't have the foundation all the time that, that older Christians would have. We just ask, to give, ask that you give them the, the, uh, the desire to look to you for all things in their life. Father, we ask you to, to bless this service, your worship service that we're going to enter into uh, in a little while. We just We ask that you would just clear our hearts and our minds, that we may be focused on you and your worship and your praise and your honor. Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.